This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. You are listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. And we're pleased to be joined, uh, as we are every Wednesday at this time, by the esteemed editor of Steelers Digest at Steelers.com, Bob Labriola. Bob, how you doing? Uh, I'm feeling very esteemed. You should be. (laughs) It's better than feeling steamed, which is what you would have felt had the Steelers lost Sunday in uh, Cleveland. Oh, yes, yes. That would have been very disappointing. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Bob, uh, let's just get this one out of the way now, since I'm sure uh, there's probably about a dozen of these in asked and answered already. Uh, Steelers are trading for Odell Beckham. They're going to pick up Odell Beckham uh, when he's released by the Browns, right? They're going to put the claim in for him. Uh, Have we given up on Deshaun Watson? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, um, I guess that's where we are now since the trading deadline has passed. But let me just remind fans of this, and I I am serious. Um, Now that the trading deadline has passed, all players are subject to waivers. And so regardless of, uh, you know, uh, your status as a vested veteran or not, you you just can't sign with any team you want. So... Let's just, you know, you brought up Odell Beckham Jr., so let's just use him for the sake of this conversation. If he gets cut and Jacksonville claims him because they would be first in the waiver priority, he either goes to Jacksonville or he doesn't play. Actually, wouldn't it be Detroit at this point since uh, Oh, yeah, good call. Makes sense. You're right. Okay. But you you see where I'm going. Right. He doesn't have any choices at that point. But they would also have to pick up the rest of his contract. I understand. Yeah. Um, Um. which I'm sure they could, they could absolutely not wait to do. <laughs> People lining up for that. $26 million over the next two years. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Oh, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine. So, Labs, big picture question for you. We had this conversation in the last segment. Who's good in the AFC? I mean, Dale started the last segment with, can the Browns rebound from this? Can they get back in the hunt? Can they be a contender? I think that's debatable. You know, Tennessee loses Derrick Henry. The Patriots get a win, but, you know, they haven't really beaten anybody. I mean, all these teams have more warts than ever. Um, Yeah, I'm going to stick with what I believed when the season opened. Buffalo's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, then I think we have to get, you know, uh, maybe, um, you know, down to some semantics a little bit and what do we define as good. Uh, we're talking about a playoff team, a division-winning team, a Super Bowl contender, you know, or what. Um, because, you know, and, and it's the NFL. Everything changes every four weeks, too. I mean, four weeks ago, Kansas City was, uh, a, you know, a Super Bowl team in waiting, or so it seemed. Now um, you're wondering, are they going to be able to hold it together enough to even make the playoffs? So... Uh, things come in cycles, I think. I do believe, though, if you're going to ask me, um, you know, about the best team in the AFC, uh, before the Derrick Henry injury, um, Tennessee would have been very, very much in that conversation, in my opinion, now that Derrick Henry is injured. 
Uh, I'm going to go back to Buffalo. I think that uh, the Bills, um, you know, have a lot of what it takes uh, to beat a lot of uh, the the upper echelon teams in the league. And um, so, if you had to pick, if if you're asking me to pick one, that's my pick. Let me phrase it differently or go a little different direction then. I mean, do you think the Steelers are in the conversation with the best teams in the AFC that aren't Buffalo? Uh, I think the Steelers are in the conversation in the AFC North. Okay. And I think that that's, that's where they should focus their energies uh, and, and just kind of uh, be a little bit more myopic in their approach uh, to the rest of this season. Don't look around uh, the rest of the, <clears throat> the conference. Keep your eye on the AFC North. Um, and let you know. Let's see what happens. Uh, I do think that um, you know this win in Cleveland certainly opened my eyes to some things about the Steelers that I didn't really think that uh, were in their immediate future. And um, you beat you beat the Browns in Cleveland that way, uh, along with some of the uh, uh, things that it seemed to be developing with the team in terms of you know. We, we can talk about the statistical uh, advances in the running game and stuff like that, but what I like even more than that stuff is it seems to me that there's, there is, is a developing um, meeting of the minds between the quarterback and the coordinator. Yeah. And uh, that, to me, is every bit as uh, exciting as, you know, Najee Harris lately and, you know, some of the other things, Pat Fryermuth's development, uh, you know, Zach Gentry, um, a lot of these kinds of things that, um, you know, more of the individual kind of things. I think that a lot of times uh, what's going on, I won't say psychologically because that's really not the word I'm looking for, but it's not necessarily the physical things happening on the field that can be either encouraging or discouraging. But, you know, some of the other relationships or uh, acceptance of um, plans and schemes and uh, the willingness to adjust both ways, players to schemes and schemes to players that, um, you know, seem to me to have the Steelers arrow pointing up at this point. That's what uh, Matt and I just talked about in the previous segment, the, the vibe surrounding this team right now is different you know when you when you look at the teams the other teams in the AFC the other teams in the AFC North even if you look at them um, you know you you can see the warts and you wonder okay can this get better Um, I I don't you know is the Bengals pass defense for example going to get better are they going to suddenly find a running back now their line too their offensive line is an issue you know is Cleveland going to find its way out of this dysfunction that has developed up there. Are they going to finally? Are they going to get healthy in time to even for that even to matter? Cincinnati just showed that it can go to a game it should win. We were when we we praised them a couple of weeks ago when they did this, went into to Detroit and took care of business after a big win over the Steelers, and they go in and, and they and they didn't take care of business the following week. They beat the Ravens. And it, oh boy, the, here they are. The since the Bengals have arrived, and then they go lose to the Jets. Yeah, you know, so their low line got exposed yeah, too. Their and their offensive line got exposed. You know, you don't see those things necessarily getting better right now, but you see the improvement in the Steelers' offensive line. You see a, a defensive performance like the Steelers. 
put on in Cleveland, stopping the run, and you say, okay, these things are getting better for this team. Yeah, and you mentioned you used the word vibe, Dale. Yeah. And that's why Ingram had to go. Yeah, okay. well, I opinion. agree. That's I why agree. Ingram had to go. I don't, I don't care that there isn't anyone as good as him uh, to take his place as the number three. I don't care that they only got a six-round pick. I don't care that they had to trade him within the AFC. He had to go, and he didn't go to a division team. And that's as, if that's as good as it can be, fine. That's the two that's, things that matter, in your opinion. Had, he had to, be, had to go and not be. in the division. Right. And honestly, uh, he so. wasn't the missing, he's not the missing ingredient in Kansas City. They've got, they've yeah. got bigger issues beyond. Well, it doesn't even they, sound like you care, Labs. You just need him out of the building. Right. You had to yeah, get him yeah. out. Uh, you had to get him out. Um, yeah. And uh, because it, you, you can't have another LeGarrette Blunt set. You just can't. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate that it happened that way. I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I don't know if he's a bad guy. I don't know any of that stuff. But uh, it had reached, in my opinion, critical mass where he was not happy. He didn't want to play here. And so um, it's addition by subtraction, to mm-hmm. use a, a often overused phrase. Uh, he had to go. They got what they could. They kept him out of the division. And, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. And here's the other thing I'm starting to look at, too. When you look at the AFC West, you know there's going to be at least one team that makes the playoffs from the AFC, from every division, and that's the team that wins the division. So if Kansas City, and there's no reason in my mind why the Chiefs can't come back and win that division, because all of a sudden uh, the Chargers seem very Charger-like. Yeah. And um, the Raiders... You know, they're, they're, they're just weathering one disaster after another. Yeah. I mean, the coach thing, Henry Ruggs. I mean, just, you know, I, I, you know the, Ra- the, Ra- excuse me, the Raiders uh, long have been a franchise that has, um, you know, um, thrived uh, under these kinds of situations. But, I mean, I, I, I would imagine there's a limit to, to, to any of this. So, uh, again... The Chiefs don't look very good right now, and I get it. They're a 500 team. You are what your record says you are, and that's what their record says they are. But in my mind, they're still very capable of winning the AFC West. And if they do, then that really doesn't impact the Steelers um, You know, looking for a wild card, if that's what it comes down to, because they're going to make the playoffs. So, uh, again, uh, I understand, and I wish it didn't have to happen to trade Ingram, but it had to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, one of the spe- – well, uh, clearly this coaching staff, Tomlin in particular, probably the whole organization, made a conscious decision early in the, the 2001 process that they were going to play a lot of young guys, that their their rookies are going to get a lot of snaps. And part of that's because you draft a running back in the first round and just insert them. But still, I mean, this rookie class to me has been incredibly impressive. And I think that's a big reason why – they're trending up. You knew the speed bumps of rookies playing early was going to be difficult and is going to take time. Now all these snaps to me really make this whole thing promising, not only for this year, but just during the, you know, all those rookie contracts. I mean, the next four or five years, all the experience they're getting. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a, it's a nice draft class. Um, you know, I, I do, and I've cautioned um, people, fans, um, you know, uh, because the 
it's, it, it's always, it seems to be now in the social media era in which we live, you know, knee-jerk, uh, quick to proclaim, quick to anoint. Uh, and people are already hitting me with, is this the second best draft class in franchise <laughs> ever? They might want to take a look at like 1971 mm-hmm. or even like 2017. Uh, it was pretty uh, you good. Know, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I said to someone, okay, I said, I'm not even thinking very much about this at all. But I can tell you in 1970, they picked transformative Hall of Fame players with their first and third pick. Oh, yeah, seven, seven Bradshaw years, yeah. and Blunt. Right. There you go. I mean, so. That's hard to, no. it's hard to beat. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. It, it, yes, you may get um, six players from this class who are contributors, starters, but that's two Hall of Famers. Um, and that, you know, two Hall of Famers trumps, uh, you know, if it was a card game. You know, I mean, yeah, two yeah, better yeah. than you know whatever. Yeah, um, so, I mean, even recent uh, classes, labs. I mean, just getting Cam Hayward, just getting T.J. Watt carries as much. That's what I'm saying. Like the 2017, be a lot the 2017 class got you, got you Watt, uh, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cam Sutton. Right, right, right. You know, those guys have been pretty important to you over the last four years. Yeah. So, but anyway, that I'm just saying. Yes, this is a. Uh, a very, very nice draft class. Kudos to Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and all the personnel people and all that for putting it together. Um, but people just need to realize that the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, as a, you know, a, uh, fran- um, you know, a storied franchise in the NFL, they've been doing pretty good with drafting since, you know, 1969. So, um, you know, this isn't, this is more the norm than the exception that they're uh, able to add uh, productive and quality players uh, as rookies. But yes, I, I agree. And again, all of these young guys and all the roles that they have, and the roles are expanding, and then you know even guys like High Smith and that kind of stuff. Again, that's why Ingram had to go. You cannot have um, one uh, dissenting voice or. Um, one dissenting attitude, right? Everybody's in this, and this way, uh, you know, when you're asking guys to do things to make sacrifices, to give up playing time, whatever it is, accept roles, it, they have to be able to look around and see everybody else doing it. And so, um, you know, uh, Ingram wasn't good enough. He's not good enough as a player to make the kinds of concessions I believe you would have had to make to keep him. And so. Uh, again, unfortunate it didn't work out, but I think that this is this was their best option moving forward. And I, I the fact that it happened and he's gone, and you see that the Browns game and what we've been talking about things developing and you know guys uh, individually and as units, uh, the the vibe, um, some of the things that are happening in terms of, as I mentioned, between, it seems to me, between the quarterback and the coordinator, a, um, you know, a meeting of the minds. Uh, those are all very positive things, and that's why, uh, as a Steelers fan out there, I would just suggest uh, keep your focus on the division, and um, you know, let's see what happens. To your, to your point about that, Bob, one of the things that I always tell, um, you know, when I, when I coach, and I still coach some sports, um, you know, I played on a lot of different teams, and I didn't have the same role on every team. Some some teams you're counted on to, to you be the, the Michael Jordan every yeah, time you went. On some the court. teams you're counted on to be the scorer. Some teams <laughs> you're counted on to be 
the the defender, you know the, the point or, guard yeah, yeah. or the defender or you know you're the cleanup hitter or you're the three hitter depending on you, you know that particular team and what it needs you don't have to like your role <laughs> everybody wants to be the star the, the Belichick do your job yeah, thing yeah but you right. do have to accept what? your role yes for the team to, to for the team to have success because it is a team sport and if that's not what you're interested in play tennis play golf <laughs> right. no i mean i'm, right, right, I'm right. not I'm just saying there are individual sports that can uh, feed that part of uh, of an athlete, a competitor, whatever, uh, you know, and and then uh, go 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 for that. But you, if 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 you decide upon team sports and you don't want to accept a lot of those things that you just said, Dale, uh, you become uh, a detriment to your team instead of an asset. Yeah, it comes down to, to what would you rather be. Would you rather be the best player on a bad team or a good player or a key member of a good team? Right, right. Which is more fun to you? Is, is, winning, is, is it about the winning or is it about your accolades? Your, your, well, and this, about you. And this, to me, you know, one of the earliest Tomlinisms that, um, you know, I really, it really resonates to me is he tells players, I know what you're capable of, what are you willing to do? Yeah, you know, right. think about that. Yeah, especially I, I, at, at at the professional level, what are you willing to do? I thought it was also telling at his press conference on Tuesday when he talked about when you bring guys in in free agency, um, you don't get that. You don't have that relationship with with them that you do with guys that you drafted. He said that's why we. That's why the Steelers. Sure. We the Steelers are. A team that, that builds through the draft. Yeah, we, right. we 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 have that. Then you have that relationship with that guy. You watch the role grow, as opposed to forcing it. When with, with what you do with a free agent, you bring him in. He he has an expectation of of playing right away. And you know he was a, Melvin Ingram was it's like a, adopting a kid. Yeah, Melvin Ingram was a first round draft pick for the Chargers. He was a you know He's he was star. the guy. Yeah, you know right, a, right. the star. And is he going to accept that role? Legarrette Blunt was a thousand yard rusher. In previous stops, you know, is he going to accept that role? And, and so that's what you don't know, right? And you know, with with both of those guys, you know, with Blunt, it was Le'Veon Bell, and with uh, Ingram, it's Alex Highsmith. I think both of those guys, if if they were guilty of anything, it was underestimating how good the guys who were already here actually are. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't think Ingram had any idea that Alex Highsmith was going to be better than him almost immediately, and he was. You know, the same thing with LeGarrette Blunt and Le'Veon. So, um, you know, that's the thing. If you come up with uh, that, a certain franchise, a certain organization, a certain way of doing business, you know, at, at one point in time, you were Le'Veon or Alex Highsmith, and you saw how you got treated. And then when you become, you know, the older guy, uh, the, the limited role guy, the backup guy, well, then you're willing to, well, this is how they do this, because I benefited from it when I was a young up-and-coming player, and now, you know, it's time for me to take that back seat and allow the next guy, you know, to 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 flourish or have the opportunity to flourish. And, uh, yeah, that's right. You don't get that uh, with a free agent. and uh, But, again, it's something that, it's an avenue, and it's an avenue that has to be explored because I was, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, I'll just speak for myself. I was 100% in favor of this move, the Melvin Ingram move. 
Signing um, him, you mean? Bringing him in originally? Yes. Oh, me too. Yeah, I was right. Oh, yeah. Jumping jacks. Yeah. Um, and, um, but, you know, it didn't work out. Uh, and as I said, I don't know anything about Melvin Ingram. I'm not trying to paint him as a bad guy or, you know, a uh, malcontent or any of that stuff. But it was clear that he didn't want to be here anymore. And so, you know, while it stings allowing players to, you know, um, get their way out of a situation they don't like, um, hey, it's what's best for the team is best for the team, and that's what you got to do. Labs, one guy I think that's kind of figuring it out and is a young, homegrown player is Chase Claypool. If players were like stocks, I would be buying heavily into Claypool. I think his stock's a little down in Steeler Nation. I think that the second half of the season projects for him to really take a big step forward, partially because Juju's out of the equation. But I think he's starting to figure it out, and it really hasn't blown up on the stat sheet yet. But I think that's really coming. Um, you know, I hope you're right. I have no way of knowing whether you are or not. Right. I'm not going to presume, um, you know, to be any be capable of uh, analyzing, you know, Chase Claypool's mindset or, you know, any of that stuff. Uh, I will say this. The Steelers need him True. to be everything you just said. Uh, and I do think also that, um, you know, Ike Hilliard is going to be an asset wide receivers coach in helping Chase Claypool, you know, realize some of the things you just said, Matt. Uh, so, because uh, Ike Hilliard impresses me as a very, you know, he's a truth teller. He's an experience. He had a career uh, for himself as a wide receiver in the league. Uh, I do believe he understands what it takes to succeed and what it takes to become a success uh, along the way. And, um, you know, I, I think he seems, again, he seems to me as someone who is direct. Uh, and I, uh, I, I'm assuming that in his conversations with the players at his position, um, he is blunt and direct. And, you know, sometimes that's what guys need. And so, um, you know, like Deontay Johnson with the drop passes or, you know, whatever happens to be an individual's, um, you know, windmill you know, to tilt or or whatever, you know, whatever they need to conquer. Um, and so we'll see about Chase Claypool because, you know, on a recent I Kill You uh, interview that I watched, uh, he was quite candid about we need to make more combat catches and things of that nature. And while he didn't say Chase Claypool needs to do this, if you look at the players at that, at that uh, position, that's the guy. Yeah you know, who was most built for that. Yeah, absolutely. Bob, we uh, we got to let you go here. Our time is up, unfortunately, but uh, we do appreciate you stopping by uh, on the drive here. Uh, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for the Fantasy Football Focus. We'll do that right after this. <laughs> 